like to begin by acknowledging the traditional custodians of the land on which we gather today. And I pay my respects to their elders, past and present. I extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples here today. Well, hello, and welcome to another episode of Inspired by Yarra. This is the podcast that's been created to enhance, connect, and inspire the Yarra Valley Grammar community and beyond. So wherever you might be tuning in from today, thank you. Welcome aboard. My name is Paul Joy, and on behalf of the small but committed team of people who put these episodes together for you, I want to say thank you and welcome. Thanks for joining us. And if you find this episode or any of our growing library of episodes fascinating, intriguing, if you think others would benefit from it, we would welcome your feedback, but also encourage you to share it with others. Today I'm sitting down with Kirsten Jackson from the class of 1987. Kirsten is someone who is passionate talented and has decided throughout her life to persist, to pursue passion and to find a way. I hope you'll find this conversation useful, helpful, inspiring, that we just bring the best that we have and we find a way. I'm going to begin by asking Kirsten, at what year did she start at Yarra Valley Grammar? Uh, so I started in 1986 because in all that all those time years ago, um, girls only came to the school in year 11 and 12. Yeah, so I had two years at Yarra. Before that, I was at uh, Billinock College. Great. So when you came in as a year 11 girl, you came into – so previously to then, so up until year 10, it was all boys, and I imagine that – you're you're a um, almost an in, not an endangered species, but a rare species when you come in uh, amongst all those boys. Yeah, well, the reason why I wanted to go to Yarra Valley is my best friend was going to Yarra Valley, and she was at Villanook with me, and I was like, oh, I want to go with you. So um, we went along to the interview, and then I, I went with her. But I, I don't think I even realised <laughs> at the time there were so many boys. Yeah, and they all seemed quite young, actually. <laughs> <laughs> which, which we would say, from a maturity perspective, that uh, that actually it takes the boys to, a little while to uh, to catch up to the girls in terms of maturity at that same age. Um, now, I appreciate that perhaps friendship was part of what attracted you to Yarra. Uh, was there anything else? Was it part of the program? Was it the facilities? Was it the uniform? Anything else that you thought? Oh, yes, that's why I want to go there. Oh, to be honest, I just wanted to be with. I think at that age, you know, you just want to be with your best friends and. Yeah. For me, my French friendship groups were really important at that stage of my life. So I, um, yeah, no, I mean, the uniform was better than the other uniform, but yeah, I, I probably wasn't um, drawn to the school for any academic reasons or any uh, anything to do with art or, or sport. It was more, I just want to be with my friends. Yes, and and that is a, a an important part of those years of, of school life. Where do you remember, and, and it may well have changed, but there'll be people of your generation that will remember the school as you do. Where did you used to hang out? Where was the, the place to be? Was it? Oh, was it... <laughs> I was one of the naughty ones. <laughs> we can edit this out if you need to, but tell me, what does it mean to be a naughty one? <laughs> so the naughty ones were the ones that went to the Oval and had a cigarette. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> So tell us, and, and we're not giving anybody any clues or any strategies, but the bush was on the other side of the oval? Yeah, I think that's where we went. Yeah, it's funny because we had our 30-year anniversary uh, with the school recently. I think only about 20 of our, 25 of us turned up. We were giggling. I mean, none of us smoke anymore, I don't think, but it was just a phase when you, we went through in those days. We were laughing how it would be freezing cold and we'd be down there behind the bushes trying to have a cigarette and someone would have to keep an eye out for the teachers. <laughs> <laughs> Goodness me. Well, we've started in a, in a place that uh, I didn't know we'd get to so quickly, but uh, tell me in terms of your academic pursuits then, because we understand your social pursuits and some of the activities you got up to, but what about academically? Was there a place in the school that you... 
found yourself drawn to? Was it science? Was it the library? Was it on the sports field? Was it in art? Was it in English? Were you in the debating team? From an academic perspective, where, where did you like to be? So there's three things that stand out to me from my time at Yarra. The first was, I, even though I was smoking down the back, I actually could run. <laughs> and um, I, or I came second both years, actually, in the cross country. If I didn't smoke, I probably would have easily won. But um, I went on to represent the school for cross country, and I still run to this day. I, I ran, like, 19 marathons, and I've got state medals and ran at national level. Um, since those days um, and I still run and race which I love um, and uh, we also did um, the Rocker Steadford I remember we entered into the Rocker Steadford I think we were the first year that did that at Yarra Valley and we did a song called Free Nelson Mandela and I absolutely loved being part of, of that um, dance and then I can also remember um, my English teacher Wendy Ward um, she was amazing. I wasn't good at English, but she really took an interest in me and really helped me. And yeah, it, um, and also obviously I loved art. I loved going to the art room. Um, yeah, so yeah, that were probably the main the main takes from from my days. What I loved to do when I was at school. Fantastic. And and we may unpack each of those various aspects of, of school life that you loved. But I want to begin with the running. Um, did you enjoy running before you started at Yarra or was that something that, that you embraced once you got the opportunity here? And what did it help you in terms of connectivity and being part of and being accepted perhaps into a new school? What did the ability to perform on the sporting field do for you, in whether it be in confidence or um, acceptance amongst the year level? Um, I think it was a bit of both. Um, there used to be a sports teacher at Yarra Valley called Mr Carroll. And his wife, Mrs. Carroll, was there as well. And, and Mr. Carroll actually took an interest in me. And occasionally at lunchtimes, instead of me going down the back having a cigarette, I would go for a run with him. I can't even remember how far we'd run. We'd probably run like 5K or I don't even know. Um, and we'd just chat on the runs. And that was really, really nice. And I think it, as a young person and even as an adult, you tend to be drawn to, to what, you, what you're good at. Um, and for me, I was known as being a good runner and, and I think that helped helped my confidence. And also I think it, it gave me when I could go for, when I had exams or when I was studying, if I could just go for a run, it just gave me like a clear head and it was a way to be free. Um, I, I think it's really important to exercise. If it's not running, I think, you know, anything, any form of exercise, whatever you're drawn to, is really good for you mentally as well as physically. So I think it really was a um, – it helped me a lot, yeah, just just to be mentally feel good about myself. Fantastic. And you mentioned that you represented Yarra at uh, in cross country and then and then continued in, in that uh, career, if you like, a, a running career, an athletics career. What was your pet event and how far did you go? Uh, so when I finished school at Yarra, I didn't. I just used to just run occasionally. I wasn't competing. I just used to um, just jog around just because it made me feel good. I'd probably run like four times a week, five k's, like nothing. And then um, it was after I had children that I decided to do a marathon, and I ran the Melbourne Marathon, and I think I came like six or something, and I was like, what? <laughs> And I would, so then I went and found a coach and, and then I started training prop, like, as they say, properly, like doing sessions and going to the track and running, you know, 100, 120 kilometre weeks and, and racing all around the world. And yeah, so that was, that was fantastic. I mean, I still do run and um, yeah, it's just, it was just a great, it's just, I guess I, I always knew I loved it and I did it. And then I found out I was actually could do it a little bit better than what I thought. <laughs> Fantastic. And, and I love hearing the, the notion or at least the willingness to have a go at something and then find out that you're quite good at it and then pursue it a little further. I think that that's a, a great message for young people as well, that, that if you try a whole range of different things, that you might stumble across something that either you're good at or you enjoy, and that's, that's enough to pursue it further. Yeah, yeah. Now it's like it's part of my life. I mean, it's, you know, it's just one of those things that I feel good starts my day off. And um, yeah, it's just helped me in so many ways to be able to, to be able to run. 
Yeah, excellent. Has the dancing career flourished as much as your oh, running no. career did? <laughs> <laughs> I never did any more dancing. I always think I'd like to go to a dancing class, but, you know, there's only a certain amount of time. <laughs> so another area of your life that does take up a considerable amount of time is, is art, and I wonder whether you could explore art at school in your experiences of that here at Yarra and and then soon we'll talk uh, some more about what art means to you today but take us back into the art classroom at Yarra Valley Grammar um, was there a particular thing even back then did you love the painting or did you love working with clay or was it textiles was there a particular aspect of art that that you enjoyed uh, I love the painting I really love painting I love color um, I, I can't even remember my art teacher's name, Yara. I don't think she really liked my work, to be honest with you. And that's probably really important to, to, to say because what, I don't know if she liked it, but she didn't really, no, there was no big deal made about my work. And it was, um, I can remember thinking, I remember I did this piece in year 11. I really loved it, but it was like, oh, you know, whatever. I, I, well, that was my take on it. There was no... Um, and I think sometimes that's good to remember as a young person that just because you weren't excelling at something when you were at school doesn't mean you can't excel or, or do better later on in life. So I just loved painting and I loved colour. Um, and I've actually still got that pe- that painting I did from year 11. And it's probably not good at all. But... <laughs> It just goes to show with hundreds and thousands of hours, you can actually get good at something. <laughs> well, so, that's, if I think it's good, I guess. <laughs> yes. So you pursued it because you loved it. That that was enough to keep you going and to, as you say, perhaps to encourage you or, or invite you into hours and hours. And I imagine in there there's some times when it didn't go well. Um, you might have made some mistakes in your art or you've got some feedback that you didn't appreciate what was it or what is it that helps you keep going when things aren't going well? Oh, well, I learned all those lessons being an athlete. <laughs> like you get injured, you fail, you have bad races, you just, you've got to pick yourself back up, you know, like the I guess that's the biggest thing is never giving up. So when I uh, actually didn't start painting professionally until I was about 31, so before then it was just I was doing other things. I didn't go to art school until later on in life and then I didn't even finish at RMIT because I found it quite boring and uninspiring uh, and I got really busy with the kids. The kids were really little when I started so I was trying to put them in before care and then and I was getting a lot of painting orders at the time and I was also trying to qualify for the Commonwealth Games for the marathons and then my husband's like, I never see you and I was just like, I'll just stop the course but... I literally just decided after my daughter and my son were born that I needed to find an income and I needed to do something from home and I I was still doing bits and pieces of painting but not much and then I thought, you know, I'm just going to start selling these paintings. I know they can sell because there's something I'd have in my home and it was funny because the first year I went to an, an exhibition and it's it, you couldn't just put your work in, you had to be like put it forward and then they would you know, and it was called the Canterbury Art Show. It was like, um, anyway, so I, they approved my work and I put in four paintings and they, the exhibition went Friday night, Saturday and Sunday and then you go back on Sunday and you see if anything sold or how much is sold anyway. So I'm like, oh, everything's going to sell, I'm sure of it. And I get there and nothing had sold. And so the next year they took me again, which I was quite surprised about. And so I went back and nothing sold again. And I'm like, oh, my God. And I remember my husband saying, maybe you should find something else to do. And I'm like, no, this is going to work anyway. So then a few years later they invited me to be a um, – I started selling work after that and they invited me to be the feature artist and I put in 21 paintings and they all sold. So wow. uh, that was a while ago now. but. Yeah, it just goes to show, like, I was going around to galleries going, please sell my work, and I was getting so many people saying no, 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 and then I just got one gallery that said yes, and then she started selling them, and then it just kind of went from there. Wow. So the notion of the starving artist is perhaps a myth, but it actually is also the experience of many up-and-coming artists who perhaps have that first breakthrough to get into a, an exhibition but then sell nothing 
maybe some of them don't come back the next year. But if they do and sell nothing again, that's a couple of um, fairly hefty punches in the gut. But there was something in you that kept you sticking with it. And was it the passion for the colour and the painting and the medium? Or was it that you really thought that this was something that you would be able to work out? Is there a is there a, a, a puzzle to be solved? Is there a strategy to being able to sell your art? Or is it just do what you love and you think enough other people will love it too? Um, well, there's definitely a strategy to selling your art. Um, I actually have on my website an online course for artists. It's called Steps to Success, um, which is just invaluable now because you don't even need a gallery anymore to sell your work. You can just use social media. Like I literally sell 80% of my artwork on Instagram and, you know, we, we, we'll sell, sell thousands of prints a year. Like we'll just it's insane. And we'll sell like the paintings. I just can't keep up. Like I've got... 48 people on the waiting list for commissions I'm actually just not taking them at the moment because it's just too much but but then I also have to have work for I've still got a couple of galleries that I like to do shows with because it's good for my brand um so there's definitely is a strategy but when I was doing it over 20 years ago there was no strategy for me Uh, there was no mentors I literally I didn't enter I didn't, it wasn't a thing that I really thought about. I just had this knowing. I can't really um, articulate it. It was almost like, I don't know what kept me going. It just, I just did. I must have known, had this deep sense within me that, and also I think what happened is that the more I painted, the better my artwork got. So, you know, the more hours I spent in the studio, the more techniques I found, the more things, it's like, being, you know, if you're wanting to run in the marathon at the Olympics, you can't just go, I'm not going to do any training and just rock up at the start line and qualify. You actually need to do so much running to get to the point where you're fast enough. And I think it's the same as an artist. I mean, you can have talent, you can have the seed inside you, but unless you're prepared to do the work, um, you know, it's not going to be as good. I have artists contact me all the time and they're like, You've been painting for six months. I'm like, oh, how do you sell so many paintings? And I'm like, oh, my God. (laughs) Do you know how many hours I've spent not just painting but marketing, branding, you know, doing so many things with the website, with the, you know, the content. And it's just not as simple as just putting your stuff up up on an Instagram post and going, everyone's going to buy my work. Yes. So so do you think... um and, and maybe it's a message for young people because this podcast, many yogs listen to this podcast and some parents listen and parents of current students or or um, students who perhaps are on their way towards Yarra. And, and also from time to time, we, we recommend episodes to certain year levels uh, within our current school. But so a message to young people or, or am I making too much of a presumption that says young people today, because perhaps of the influence of social media and they see all of a sudden things go you know really wild or or viral and and all of a sudden there's a whole lot of attention is there a misconception that all you've got to do is find that viral print or artwork or piece and all of a sudden everybody knows about you but actually it's about putting in the time and the effort and the reps and doing the work i think you would find that nearly everything that's gone viral there's been hours and hours beforehand. Like there's a there's a thing on Instagram called the and all the young people would know about the uninspired employed. They literally had no followers and they were doing videos and videos and videos. You know, like a year, two years. All of a sudden, one of their videos went viral, and now they've got over a million followers. But if you listen to the podcast, I've listened to a couple of their podcasts where they've been interviewed. They literally were like working their butts off, like, but nobody sees that. Everybody just sees the end product. Yes, I, I thank you. That's that's I, I agree with that message totally. That it it's all of the things that, that most people don't see that get anybody who has success and whatever success looks like for different people. It's they have put in the time and the effort and the energy when nobody was noticing, when nobody knew about them, when nobody really cared even. But I would add to that 
that that's the perfect time to start showing. That's the perfect time to to keep turning up when actually nobody's watching because that's when you get good at it. That's when you get better at it. Once you've got lots of attention, once you've got lots of people watching, then it's almost more difficult because you almost don't want to make any more mistakes because people will notice. So make the mistakes early when actually nobody's watching, but still be bold enough to have your work out there, make your videos, share your your pictures, whatever your particular work might be, get it out there and get it be, you know, build the library, put in the hours, the reps to get the work out there. Oh, completely. And I think also just on that, I feel like I'm never, ever afraid to put my paintings out there because I'm not really attached to it. Um, like it's not the biggest thing in my life. It's like I love to paint and, I yeah, sure, it's my income and it brings a lot of people a lot of joy. But I'm not attached to it at all, whereas with the running I was really attached to that. So I feel like I really was scared before I'd get on the start line. I'd be so worried about my result. And I feel like I actually have done a lot better with my art career <laughs> than my running career because I'm not attached to it. So sometimes you have to, like, you've got to put in the work but just surrender a little bit to the process and not be so worried. And it's much easier said than done because I still have problems Mm. with that. (laughs) Yes, yes. I was having a little bit of a look on your website and and we'll put some details at the at the bottom of the show notes so that other people can and and by all means we'll give you a chance at the end to, to share your website. But you talk a lot about joy and happiness through your art is that is that an approach is that a a a mission is that a a motivating factor or is that a result of where does joy and happiness fit into your art uh so i had some events happen when i was younger that were people would probably say quite tragic and i think i started painting for me to make me happy and and then now i can see it, it 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 helps other people be happy. Like I've had so many collectors that, you know, will contact me after they've got their painting or they'll come back and buy more paintings. They're like, oh, my God, it makes me so happy. Like everybody says, oh, my God, it makes me so happy. They'll send me photos of them in their homes and like every day I walk past it makes me smile. And I know, I just know that happens because that's why like inside me I do this to to bring joy to me. And then I'm just lucky that I can share that with other people. And obviously not everybody's going to love my paintings, but the one, the people that are drawn to them, they do get a lot of joy from them. Mm. That's beautiful. You were mentioning before that even amidst some criticism or, or not the great positive feedback that you normally get nowadays for your work was a desire that you felt it was good enough and you, you enjoyed it. It was hard to hard to put some words around it but there was something that kept you going and something else here at school that we associate with our school is called the Yarra spirit and it's equally difficult to put words around it and and describe it but there is something there and I wonder if you might just a bit like your art there's a purpose to it you want to bring joy and and you've got experience of doing that and and You've, you've proven that again and again. How would you define Yarra spirit? Was it something you were aware of when you were a student? Is it something you're aware of now? What, what does it mean? What is the Yarra spirit? I think that um, we, when, I, when I was at Yarra Valley, I, I don't think I really uh, was aware of it. It was actually when I got to my 30th um, school reunion that I went, Oh my god! I was it just hit me. It was like wow. These these years when I was at Yarra was so formative, and it's only looking back on it as a as an adult that I realised just how important those two years were. Um, I really did get a lot out of the school. I two of my best friends uh, today are still from school days. Um, they'll laugh when they find out I'm on a podcast because I was the naughty one. <laughs> one of them was a prefect. She'd be like, "What?" <laughs> Um, so yeah, I definitely feel like the school had an amazing spirit, but I don't think when I was there, I really appreciated that. It's more when I look back on it that, and it was a very caring school. I do, I do remember the teachers did, they did care a lot, you know? Um, and, and there was, there was also a teacher called Mr. Bolton. He was quite funny. Um, you know, there was, there was a kind of a, 
it was it was a lovely school because everyone was it was a really nice community like we all got on really well um because there wasn't a lot of girls all most of the girls were really close together but then we got on with all the boys so yeah I look back now and I think what a lovely time but at the time I probably just wasn't as probably appreciative of it but that might be a teenage thing as well <laughs> look I, th- I think you're probably right I think that's part of it that, that we don't fully appreciate what we are learning and seeing and watching happening around us and how that's impacting us and and if there's enough of the good, if there's enough of that positivity and and great role modelling, then that does become part of us and launches us into whatever's next, whether that be a career in in running or or in art or dancing, or not, <laughs> it, or of course architecture or law or medicine or whatever whatever pursuit young people might want to explore, and and perhaps increasingly. It is the way that people might have multiple careers, not just multiple jobs, but multiple careers in different pursuits. And and you're an example of, of doing that and, uh, and a successful example of that. I wonder if you might reflect for a moment on student leadership. And you mentioned a friend of yours was a prefect. Um, do you recall who the school captains were back in the class of 1987? Oh, my God. No, I can't remember. I'm so bad with that stuff. I literally... I, when I got to the reunion, because I went with my two girlfriends and another girlfriend that we're still really close with, and I, like, I'm like, oh, my God, I remember you. Like, it's just, yeah, no, I can't remember. I can't remember who the captains were. If I said Matt, Matt Haben, does oh, that ring a bell? Oh, no, I loved Matt. His dad was my accounting teacher. Mr. Haben, okay. yeah, yeah, I could, he didn't come to reunion. I think he, something happened but, yeah, no, Matt was gorgeous. He was really nice, yeah. And if I said Carolyn? Yes, I knew Carolyn, but oh, she wasn't – she was more I, – I, we weren't really good friends, but, yeah, I can remember her as well, yeah. Sure, sure. Very good. I wonder if I might take you to um, what I like to call the lightning round, and there's going to be a, a bunch of quick-fire questions, and some of them uh, will be on the tip of your tongue, forefront of your mind, and, and others might require a little bit more digging around. Um some about Yarra and some about life in general. Are you ready to strap yourself in for the lightning round? Yes, yes. <laughs> Kirsten Jackson from the class of 1987. What house were you in when you were at Yarra? Oh, my gosh. Now I can't remember. I was in the yellow. I know it was a gold colour. <laughs> we call that Hughes. Oh, okay. Oh, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> okay. What What would you say? And 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 maybe this is this is not intended to be a trick question. What was What was your contribution to your house? Where did you excel? Oh, I think it would definitely be in the cross country. <laughs> it sounds like it. It sounds like it. Um, you talked about the Rock of Sedford. Was there any other uh, music or drama that you remember? Maybe being in the audience or up on stage that you recall in addition to the Rock of Sedford. Oh, gee, oh, I can't really. I, I, the only other thing I can remember, it's not even music, it was I went on a surf trip, which yes. is completely different. So, yeah, I can remember we did go on a surfing weekend once to Phillip Island. Very nice. And could you get up on the surfboard? Yes, they taught us how to surf. Wonderful, wonderful. Tell me a little bit about um, your experience day-to-day at Yarra. How did you travel to school? Where were you coming from and how did you get there? Oh, travel was like a long time. So I lived in Monturna, so I'd have to catch a bus and then another bus. Yeah, so it was a bit of a trek. I think it would be like an hour or so to get to school at least. Yeah, yeah, and I'd have to get up really early in the morning and it'd be freezing and walk to the bus stop and wait for the bus and the bus would be late. But then it was always fun on the bus because I always had some friends, so that was good. There is certainly an experience of school, and I think it exists today, of, of those students who they have kind of their bus friends and, and because they see each other and travel together, you know, potentially for years, um, there is a, a, there's something that ties that, that group of students together, which is it's special, it's great. Yeah, yeah. What would we find reg- a regular feature in your lunchbox when you're a school student? Oh, my gosh. I didn't eat much. I was terrible. I, 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 no one made lunch for us at home. So I think I used to just grab apples. <laughs> and do you remember the, the Yarra calf? Was there anything uh, a go-to at the calf here? Uh, I, I can't. I'm not really, I'm really not a big food person, so I can't remember. I literally just, no, there's nothing I can remember about food. I can just remember I used to eat a lot of apples. (laughs) 
So this, again, it's not intended to be a trick question, but if I received an invitation to your place and uh, I was coming over for dinner, what's what's a meal that is your go-to? Do you like to cook? What would you serve up? Oh, no, I don't like cooking at all. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so I love Japanese food. We get a lot, we get a lot of Japanese food in and, um, a lot of healthy food, like a lot of this week we're doing all vegan meals, which my husband and son are unhappy about. My daughter and I like, we're having a vegan week. They're like, what? There's no meat on the table. So I think tonight we're having like coconut pumpkin soup with some gluten-free bread with a salad or something so they'll be adding sausages to their meal i'm sure yes all right well if you're going to serve something like that up maybe i'm not going to come for dinner but let's <laughs> let's say that you can invite three people from any era any time in history any career walk of life whether they be um, still part of uh, our world or, or maybe they've gone moved on but three people that you'd like to have over for dinner who would they be um, I would love to have a lady called Paula Radcliffe to, who had the marathon record. She's the, an English marathon runner. Um, I would love to have Picasso. Um, that would be pretty amazing. And I'd probably like to have um, my mum who's passed away. Beautiful. And uh, what a great conversation between you you would have from all those eras, different perspectives and, uh, and mum probably with her wisdom coming in to, uh, to wrap it all together. That's a beautiful, a beautiful idea. Um, you've travelled the world um, as a result of, of not only your, uh, your running but also in terms of your art. Where, once we're able to, where is a destination that you would recommend to others? It's, maybe it's a tiny little village down in the back of or maybe it's a particular landmark that you think that we should go and have a look at. What's a great travel destination? So my favourite place in the whole world, well, is um, a little town in France called Bar. Um, there's never any tourists there and it's like on the border. Um, it's called the Asselse region. It's on the border of Germany and France and it's spelt B-A-R-R, and it's surrounded by a beautiful forest and all vineyards, and I love wine. So it's just the most beautiful little French town. So, yeah, I would suggest if you haven't been there, go. I've been there four times. Yes. Wonderful. Um, when you were growing up, did you have a nickname? Oh, yes, it was Muffin because my last name used to be Dutton, and for some reason I got called Muffin. I That, just, that, that happened from year eight and it just kept going. So, yeah. <laughs> And there was another um, one of my one of my best friends at Yarra Valley was called Marianne, and her nickname was Mouse, and it was always like Mouse and Muffin. And I was just like, oh my gosh, we were inseparable, you know. It sounds like a, a good little combo to uh, to stick together. Um, you mentioned before uh, how active you need to be in your business on social media. If you were to look at your phone, what are two apps that you use the most on your phone these days? I use Instagram constantly. Um, and I also listen to um, uh, probably oh, Spotify. Yeah, I like listening to music. And I also have another app called Shopify as well, which I use for my website, which I need to use. Mm. Is there a book or a movie or a documentary that you would recommend um, maybe for young people or required viewing perhaps that was formative for your own experience? Oh, gee, that's a really hard. I love reading. Like I read so much. I, I There's a book that I love that I think would, a lot of young people would love. It's called The Happiest Refugee. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's a really inspiring book and there's so much to it. And I just, yeah, I, I mean, you'd know Ando. He, he does, yeah. So I don't know if, if that's something that they, they read at school, but I would definitely recommend reading that book if you haven't read it. Mm. And now combines his, I mean, amazing artwork as well. Yeah, he's he's incredible. I mean, like being a comedian, I think he was also a, a lawyer and like he just is incredibly, he's talented in all areas, um, but just a beautiful person and, and had so so much adversity. And when you when you read that book and you, you think, wow. And it's also like Mayo's Last Dancer, that book as well. Like, you know, the what that guy went through is pretty amazing to get to where he got to. Yes, yeah. I'm going to offer a phrase to you and, and wonder whether it, it means anything to you, whether you recall it. It's Lavavi Oculus. It's our school motto. Do you recall what that means? Oh, no, this is bad. I don't remember. 
That's okay. That's okay. Um, to lift up our eyes. So it's an encouragement to lift up our eyes. And and if if I offer that understanding or that meaning, what what does that mean? The idea of lavavi oculus, lift up your eyes. And whether whether you take the wear the hat of a student, what might it mean to a student, or what does it mean to you now? Um, well, for me, that probably just means to probably put yourself in someone else's position. Um, you know, like I said, I probably said it at the start, like we all see things differently and to have some compassion and understanding, um, you know, to be more open to, to other things and other people and their situations and things that happen. Mm. I, I, that's, that's terrific. I wonder if things go really well for you over the next let's say five years, what's happening for you? Where is your art gone to a particular level? Are you living in a particular place? What's happening in five years from now if all goes well on planet you? Um, it's really interesting because I don't, whenever I've, I have studied neurolinguistic programming and hypnotherapy and all those things, I did that when I was running, like at competing. And I had all these goals and I think it's important to have goals, but I also think it's really important to just be not too attached to things. So I, I know the most important thing for me in five years, it's not about, I mean, I would love to still be living in the home we're living in. I love our home. I love my family. Uh, the most important thing is health. So in five years time, if I'm still healthy and can still run and my family's healthy, that's all that matters because you know if you don't have your health you can't do anything else and I, i'm I, the other things will just take care of themselves mm. is there a a habit or a rhythm or a routine um, whether it be a, a weekly routine or a daily routine that that you have stuck to that has helped serve you in the good times and the bad times yeah, so I meditate every morning when I first get up. I actually do a meditation by Dr. Joe Dispenza. Um, it's called the Eight Energy Centers Healing. So I do that, and then I do the Wim Hof breathing. So um, I true, I love the Wim Hof breathing. I'm meant to be getting in the pool at the moment, but it's freezing after that. <laughs> um, and then I normally do go for a run, um, and I always have a juice in the morning first thing in the morning like I'll make like a celery juice or something so I'm pretty healthy and um if I set my day up in that way it just it and I have a prayer that I say as well it that sets my intentions out to the universe um for, for me and for, for everyone that I meet during the day and everyone who's in that I speak to so um I do do that work and that's kind of what I call my practice yeah, and I love to do that. Like I'd never miss my meditation. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I, I have similar. I agree that regular and, and, you know, daily is important and setting it, I guess you set the tone for the day in, in those first, whether it be 10 minutes, half an hour, an hour even, and, and how you set the day up really has an impact. I wonder, is there a, a, a quote or an affirmation that has helped you and 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 perhaps it's even a, something that you recite or a prayer that you say maybe out loud or is there some some words that help you to be the best version of you well i honestly believe the quote never give up is probably something that i live by um i do say a prayer every day um it's it's um it's not a religious prayer it's actually a prayer to the angels <laughs> Um, and yeah, I, I say that it's probably a bit long to say it here, but yeah, it's to, to the, to the angels and, um, the, the, the intention of that prayer is just, you know, it's about being abundant, but not just me creating abundance for me, but, you know, for, for helping and inspiring other people and creating abundance for them in their lives. Mm, mm. If, if we have some young and aspiring artists um, who who are tuning in and and you're you've made a name both nationally and internationally and you've got many many people wanting your art and, and as you mentioned before you've got 40 plus jobs lined up where people are wanting you to create something for them what what are some guidance or words of advice whether they're words that you heard somewhere along the line or that you would say to up-and-coming artists I would just say 
be true to yourself. So if you're an artist, create from within you and don't overthink it and just don't copy other work. Like just go and find your thing, your style. Um, and for me, when I work, I don't think. Um, if I start thinking, I wreck the whole painting. So um, if you've never done that before, go get a canvas, get different paints just and trial and practice. Practice different, you know, media. You know, try acrylics, try inks, try watercolours, mix them together, break all the rules, don't worry about what they tell you at art school. Like literally I just break every rule. I don't care because I like the way it looks at the end. So and I don't varnish my work because it's very toxic to the environment and it's toxic to my lungs. So, um, and to be, I actually had two canvases about 10 years ago. One of them I uh, paint, I painted on both of them and one I varnished and the other I didn't and they look exactly the same. So, you know, unless you're selling your work for $50,000, I wouldn't worry about it. Right. And oh, you're the art teacher. I hope you don't mind me saying that. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a few things I just had a little hiccup about, <laughs> but that's okay. I, I do agree, totally agree with um, follow follow your interest, do it your way. Um, I, I would say listen to your art teacher and then go and, and, and launch from that. <laughs> um, I, I wonder if you could describe for us your art. What is your style? What is what What does your artwork look like? And... Maybe if we were from a public perspective, where would we, is there anywhere that we would recognise your art? We would be able to see your art on display somewhere? Um, there's a hotel in the city. Oh, I can't even remember the name of it. Oh, my, I'm so bad with this stuff, honestly. There's also a hotel in Byron Bay called Ray's, which is Ray's at Watergo. Um, they purchased one of my artworks. Um, yeah, what's that hotel called? Oh, my gosh, I can't remember. Uh, anyway, um, I've got a studio in Sandringham as well. So people, like I have appointments there and open studio days so people can pop by and um, make an appointment or they can come in on an open studio and see my work. But it's it's in so many people's homes, I'm sure. <laughs> they'll, probably, they'll probably notice it one day when they walk into a friend's home. And and what style do you work with? Um, I w- Well, it's called in the art world, they'd call it abstract expressionism. So... Yeah, I'm literally just doing abstract work and it's very my expression of it. So I, a lot of my work is just it's all intuitive and it's very abstract and it's very colourful and it's bright. And a lot of the time when people have my work, they go, oh, my gosh, I just noticed something I'd never seen before in that painting and I've had it for 10 years. Like So, you know, every time you look at it, you see something different, which is really nice. That's beautiful. It's it's sort of work that's that's vibrant and colourful and brings joy. But it sounds like there's there's enough depth in it that we can keep coming and and receiving new things from it each time we come to it. Which that's a that's a powerful work of art. I, I think that's amazing. Thank you. Pleasure. Thank you for the work that you do. Thank you for the contribution that you make to the goodness of society and community by sharing your passion and sharing your uh, creative abilities and and allowing that to be on show for other people to receive from that so I, I really appreciate the confidence that it takes as a, an artist who hasn't always had everybody saying yes that's wonderful but you found something deep within to keep showing to keep showing up doing the work and then sharing it. And um, and I guess the runs are on the board, aren't they? There, there are people now who want your art right across the world. So I think that that's a, a great testimony to the ability that you have to keep on going, even when perhaps not everybody agrees with you. I love it. Oh, thank you. Yeah, well, I guess that's a good good thing to, especially for young people, just to keep in the back of their minds if things aren't going the way they want at the start, just just keep going. Complete this sentence, Kirsten Jackson from the class of 1987. Before I start a new work, a new painting, I do what? I always say thank you just for having that space and being able to create whatever it's going to be. I'm very grateful. And I do talk to my paintings in the studio too. I do tell them I love them. (laughs) (laughs) And what do you like to do when you're not working? Uh, 
I love going out for dinner. I love reading. I love walking my dog, Henry. I've got a chocolate Labrador who I love. Um, I love hanging out with my husband and children. I've got lots of friends. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I love going to Pilates and, yeah, just we live down in Bayside. So I love going for runs along the beach or going for down to the dog beach with Henry love going out for brunch. Even though I said I don't like food, I do like food. I just don't like cooking it. <laughs> it sounds uh, sounds like you've got, uh, and, and maybe it's the wrong term, but there's a balance there in, in your uh, creative outlet, but also your appreciation of, of what you have and the gratitude that you have for that, and, and that comes through your artwork. Um, I hope that sometime we uh, have the opportunity to, to be able to see your artwork uh, back here at Yarra, and and I know behind the scenes we're potentially working on on that, and I'm excited for that opportunity as well. Where would people go if they wanted to learn more about you? What can, can, do you know your website that we can? Oh, uh, look I do up know. My... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the website is just www.kirstenjackson.com.au. So yeah, they can just get on there, or they can go to Instagram. It's Kirsten Jackson underscore gallery. So yeah, they're both those places will show you lots of lots of things, lots of pictures and images of my work. And you know, if you're wanting to buy some artwork, you can always buy prints on on the website as well. Fantastic! I've really enjoyed uh, this conversation, both in speaking with a yog and 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 feeling like there's part of us in you and your success and your promotion of joy and color and vibrancy and, and making the most of life and you share that through your art but you you share that in your story as well and and so for that we are grateful i've only got one final question and it's a two-part question and and that is what is the one question that you really wish i had asked and then can you answer that question Oh, I have I gave no thought to what you would ask me. I'm just used to just answering things. Um, I don't know if there's anything else I really wanted to like share. Um, I well, I guess there's one thing I could share that's probably it's come up as quite important. Um, if there are students listening to this, it's more for them, directed at them. Is I. With I have an online course on my website for art for people that want to um, become professional artists or emerging artists that want to sell their work. And um, I, what I did when I started the online course is I did a promo where I said the first I don't know thirty people that bought the course I would give them a thirty minute Zoom call, you know, to help them out and answer any of their questions. And the one thing that just kept coming through to me was that none of these artists had any confidence in their work or in themselves, and it really shocked me. And I feel like just just have confidence. Like I don't know how, how to do that, but just, yeah, it just just put it out there and don't, don't worry about what anyone else thinks. Just if you love it, that's all that matters. Mm. That's great, and and I guess it's it's like believe in yourself, isn't it? And and share it anyway. Yeah, exactly. And you know what? Some people are going to love it, and other people are going to go, "No way, Jose." That's okay because you've got the whole world as your audience. Yes, and and enough people are going to come alongside and say, "Yeah, that speaks to me. That's what I like." But if if we're just limited to what the person who's in our art class next to us there and there or our even our art teacher says then our audience we we need to think bigger than that yeah well i'm i'm thinking okay how many people are in the world i've got a website all these people like if i can reach all these people so many of them are going to want the artwork they're going to love it they're going to put it in their homes it's going to make them happy and i'm going to make millions and millions of dollars like how good's that how good's that? We love that. <laughs> and uh, and I do thank you for because it is that attitude, that ambition that you have and the confidence that you have that has helped you to become not only the person but the artist and the successful career woman that you are. And uh, and for that I thank you. This podcast is called Inspired by Yara and somewhere along the line there's no doubt that you have um, been had the opportunity to experience things while you were here at Yarra that have been a launch pad to not only opportunities like running, but also the attitude that is deep within you to to try things and to, to keep pursuing and to keep going. And therefore you have been inspired by Yarra, but 
through this and other ways that you are contributing back into the Yarra community. You are an inspiration to Yarra. So for that, we thank you and we will look out for your artwork everywhere. Kirsten Jackson from the class of 1987, thank you for your time, your energy, your storytelling and your beautiful artwork. Thank you. Oh, thank you. It was lovely chatting. And there you have it. I told you she was inspirational. I would mentioned before we started this conversation how Kirsten is one who continues to keep showing up, to persist, to follow the opportunities and to knock on doors and open the doors and plough on through. Quite the personality and quite the success on a number of different fronts. I hope you too have learnt and discovered some things through her story, through her adventure, and might take a moment to see how they apply to you and your circumstance. Whether you are a parent, whether you are an up-and-coming artist or athlete or business person, whether you are a student who is feeling like it's fairly thick in the mud right now and finding it difficult to get traction or find success in whatever pursuit. I think the message from Kirsten is stick with it, hang in there. I hope you'll join us again next episode where we get to sit down again with another Yog, another Yarra old grammarian to see how they too have been inspired by Yarra. To make sure that you don't miss any of our upcoming episodes, please hit subscribe, maybe give us a rating and a review because that helps other people to discover this podcast and the wealth of stories, insights and perspectives that we're able to share. My name's Paul Joy and on behalf of everyone here at Yarra, I wish you another day of inspiration where you get out there with intentionality to make a positive impact in the world around you. you.